A.K. Hey, Lo. Hey, horror writing crime peeps. What's going on? Uh, you know, just in the in the middle of not even the middle actually. That's so sad. In the beginning of winter, and I'm still just coping with it. Even though it happens every year, like I shouldn't be shocked, you know, at this point. But it's just like a sad occurrence every year. Pure Michigan. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I was talking to Lo, and I was like why do we live here? <laughs> I'm like, what? why are we here? Like, we should just, like, move. <laughs> it would just, like, be... Warm. It would just be, like, an easy solution. I don't know. <laughs> I wish it was that easy. I know, same. <sighs> so, uh, I watched that new Sandra Bullock movie, uh, The Un- Unforgivable, on Netflix. Did you end up watching that yet? I did not yet. Okay, all right. I saw it, and I was going to, and I was like, uh, I need something uplifting at this moment. So I feel that. <laughs> I understand. But I have been binge-watching, and I'm on season five of Shameless. Oh, such a good show. Very raunchy and intense to watch. <laughs> oh, my God. The anxiety gives me sometimes. Um, right? Like, don't you feel like you're, like, part of it somehow when you're watching, and you're like, oh, my God you need to stop doing this right now yes um i feel better about my life every day that i watch it Um, my problems don't seem so bad right it makes honestly it's like a good takeaway after you finish like an episode you're like wow things could be worse you know for me (laughs) yeah and i was talking to my girlfriend tammy and she informed me that fiona um Emma Rosum, or I don't know how you say Yeah, something like that. Um, that they, she wasn't very nice in real life on the show. Like, she treated everybody really shitty and crappy, and that could have been why they mutually parted ways in the end. I did hear that also. The one girl who played Debbie, um, I think her name is also Emma, or something like that. Um, but I saw her talking on a podcast, um not too long ago, and she said that, you know, she loves her, and they had really good times, but a lot of times when they would be on set together, she would get really bad anxiety and be really nervous just because that uh, Emmy Rossum or whatever her name is would sometimes make things really uncomfortable because she would have bad moods very easily. So that's kind of disappointing to hear. Yeah, um, but... um... I don't know. My favorite character right now is Kev. Oh, same. He's my all-time favorite. He's just so sweet and stupid, but so sweet. Seriously, his, like, intentions are always the best, and he's just, like, a big doof, and he's so hot, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's he's for sure my favorite. Um, and, yeah, if you guys haven't seen Shameless, like, we're... <laughs> advertisement for shameless even though it already ended um you need to go watch it asap because it's entertaining as heck and yeah it'll make you feel better about your life (laughs) yeah when i was down with the vid um i was started watching it and uh like i said i got five seasons deep um i am going to get back into it i took a break to do the next season of cobra kai which i love um, and then I did a little bit of Snooki and Wow because I needed a break from trashy TV. <laughs> you needed some class up in there, so you had to bring in Snooki and Wow. <laughs> yeah, so, you know. I understand. <laughs> Is Cobra Kai on Disney Plus? 
Netflix. Netflix. Okay, I never watched it, but I I know I saw it on one it's of those. Very good. If you love the Karate Kid, which I did, so it's a very nostalgic thing for me watching it. Okay. But I already whipped through season four in two days. Now I just gotta wait another year for season five. Oh, isn't that the worst? No. I hate when that happens. Um, but yeah. So, before we get started on today's story, we're kind of bringing it back to uh, one of our classic favorite drinks, uh, the Cupcake Moscato. Never... It's my, uh, my go-to, uh, my, one of my favorites. Yeah, I can never go wrong with that one. Um, and yeah, so today um, we're kind of going to be talking about Adrienne Shelley um, and kind of you know, she was this, like, Hollywood triple threat, um, and she kind of had a mysterious death, so we're kind of going to go through that a little bit. So, Adrienne Shelley was an American actress, film director, and screenwriter. Her real name was Adrienne Levine, but she went by the last name of Shelley for the public. Um, I'm not really sure why, but, you know, people change their names all the time. Adrian was born in Queens to Sheldon Levine and Elaine Langbaum. She had two brothers, Jeff and Mark, and was raised on Long Island. She began performing when she was about 10 years old at Stage Door Manor Performing Arts Training Center. Shelley made her professional debut in a summer stock production of the musical Annie when she was a student at Jericho High School in New York. Um, she went on to Boston University, majoring in film production, but she dropped out after her junior year and moved to Manhattan to uh, further pursue her dreams of acting, directing, all that jazz. Adrienne's career breakthrough as an actress came when she was cast by independent filmmaker uh, Hal Hartley as the lead in The Unbelievable Truth in 1989 and Trust in 1990. She also guest starred in a number of television series, including Law and Order, Oz and Homicide, Life on the Street, and played major roles in over two dozen off-Broadway plays, often at Manhattan's Workhouse Theater. Which I have to say, just, I feel like everybody who hasn't been on Law and Order, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. like, I feel like everybody's guest starred on Law and Order. We should have a guest starring role at this point. Law and Order and CSI. Yes, those are the two major ones. <laughs> During the 1990s, Shelley had segued toward a behind-the-camera career, um, and her final work was writing, directing, co-set, costume designing, and acting in the film Waitress, um, which starred Carrie Russell and Nathan Fillion, um, which premiered at the 2007 Sundance Film Festival. Um, and Adrian's daughter, Sophie, actually had also a cameo at the end of that film as well. Sadly, though, Adrienne unfortunately never got to see her award-winning film's release as she was found dead on November 1st, 2006. As far as her personal life, um, Adrienne was married to a man named Andy Ostroy. He was the chairman and CEO of the marketing film um, Bellardi slash Ostroy. They met in 2001 on Match.com and were married in 2002 and ended up having a daughter named Sophie, who was just two years old at the time of her mother's death. Aww. I know. It's so, it's just extra heartbreaking when, like, obviously when they have kids, but when they're so young, too. 
Um, Adrian had written the film Waitress during the time that she was pregnant with her daughter Sophie, and um, she just described herself as an optimistic agnostic, which I thought was kind of funny. So, flash forward to the day of Adrian's death, kind of just going through what happened. Um, Adrian was found dead at approximately 5.45 p.m. on November 1st, 2006. Her husband, Andy Ostroy, discovered her body in the Ab- Abington Square apartment in Manhattan's West Village that she, u- she like, used it as her office space, I guess. Um, Ostroy, who was her husband, had dropped her off at the apartment that morning at 9.30 a.m. He had become kind of worried just as the day kept going on um, because Adrian wasn't in contact with him that day at all. So, you know raised the little red flags for him um so he decided to head back over and went to the building to check on his wife Uh, he asked the doorman to just accompany him to the apartment um and sadly when they got there they found adrian's body hanging from a shower rod in the bathtub with a bed sheet around her neck So because of the way the scene had appeared, um, NYPD had believed that Adrienne had taken her own life and an autopsy had found that she had died as a result of neck compression. So, you know, simple but sad explanation, you know, right? So you would think. Never Um, is. (laughs) No, yeah, never is or isn't a lot of the time. Um, Too many things were like, a red flag. I feel like with these types of, at least with suicides, I feel like a lot of investigation also needs to be taken place. It can't just be like quickly ruled out as like a suicide just because it looks like it. Because I feel like that's an easy way for like murderers to kill someone is to like make it look like a suicide. Yeah, and I feel like also the hanging, I mean, I'm not saying it never happens, but usually if it's a woman, usually it's like alcohol and pills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like. Yeah, definitely. They women are usually more neater about it and more. I don't know. And they hang yourself with a sheet that just didn't seem right. It, and like, it just it seems kind of weird. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and her husband, you know, thought the same thing. He not only insisted that his wife was so happy in not only her professional life but her personal life and he he says in no way like she would have ever committed suicide leaving her two and a half year old daughter motherless um which i i will say and i we kind of had a story similar to this in the past with someone else um but i will say like you never know what someone's going through you know you could think someone's the happiest person in the world and Um, they can sadly take their lives. Um, but a lot of people do also know who they're with really well and can kind of read people. So I don't think it's necessarily right to just brush someone off and be like, well, you don't know what they were going through. Like you kind of have to take the opinions of the person like that they were involved with, you know, seriously, just so that they know. Yeah. Um, so not only, you know, did he insist that she was 
happy and would never have done this, but also because more concretely because apparently the day of Adrian's death, the door to the apartment was found unlocked and money was reportedly missing from her wallet. So, you know, not sounding too much like a suicide anymore. It's kind of sus, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, they had to pay for that Uber back, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so her husband's protests uh, over the following days caused a more careful re-examination of the bathroom crime scene, which ended up revealing a sneaker print in gypsum dust on the toilet beside where Adrian's body had been found. And the print was actually matched to a set of other shoe prints in the building where construction work had been going on the day of Adrian Shelley's death. So bingo, kind of got a connection there. So on November 6, 2006, the press reported uh, the arrest of a man named Diego Pilco. He was a 19-year-old construction worker from Ecuador who, according to police, had confessed on tape to attacking Adrian and then staging the fake suicide by hanging her. Um, Pilko's original version of what happened was that Adrian had gone down to where the construction employees were working and apparently had demanded that the construction noise needed to be kept down. He says when she was yelling at them to keep it down, he threw a hammer at her in frustration. Um, Now, the hammer, he says, didn't hit her, But after throwing it at her, um, he was afraid that she might make a complaint to his boss or to the building or whatever that could result in him being um, deported back to Ecuador. So because of his like panic of this, he -hmm. had followed her back to her apartment. Well, how about we don't throw tools at people? Yeah, there's step one. Uh, (laughs) Maybe in if someone's yelling at you, I understand like it's. Very frustrating when you're at work and a customer's being yelling or rude. I don't know. But, you know, you just take that shit. You're at work. Um, So Adrian, the petite 40-year-old, he reportedly slapped him after he had grabbed her at her apartment door, where Pilko said that he then retaliated by punching her in the face, knocking her to the ground where she hit her head and fell unconscious. Um, and believing that he had killed Shelly, he said that he hanged her to make it appear like a suicide. Hmm. So he didn't, like, overreact at all? No, he was totally calm during the whole situation. <laughs> um, but the original version of events by Pilko was not supported um, because there was a lack of severe head trauma to the ruling of neck compressions as the cause of Shelly's death. So, like, he said he punched her in the face and she, like, hit her head and died. And then he hung her. But they're saying, no, she died from being hanged. So it's not matching up with his story. So then during the trial in 2008, Pilko gave a completely different account of what happened saying that when he was returning to work after a lunch break, he noticed Shelly returning to her apartment in an elevator and decided to follow and rob her. Pilko said he waited on the upstairs landing of Shelly's apartment floor as she entered her apartment and left the door opened and then intruded in to steal from her purse. Pilko then said that after Shelly caught him and threatened to call police, 
he grabbed the phone and covered her mouth to quiet her screams um, when she saw him, like, reaching after her. So after making Adrian unconscious during the struggle, Pilko then, like, proceeded to bind a nearby bedsheet around her neck and began strangling her with it. He then dragged her body to the bathroom in the apartment where he hung it, where he hung her from the shower rod to make her death look like a suicide. So this version of the story to me uh, definitely sounds more like the truth than the first story that he gave, just because like the no head injury thing killing her. And like in the first story, he never meant like the money that was stolen was like never mentioned so like the fact that he went up there to rob her makes more sense i think he was trying to save face with the first story being like well she she did started it by yelling you know and i can i just say too that if adrian's husband like didn't push so hard for a re-examination of the crime scene like this case would have still just remained a suicide case and like the murderer would, like, still just be roaming around free and, like, you know, maybe doing it to more people, too, in the future. And not only that, her daughter would have to grow up thinking I wasn't good enough. Yes, to yeah. stick around for from my mom, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's a whole different feeling than your mom being murdered versus your mom's suicide. That's totally... Exactly. Like, that's a whole nother, like, narrative for this girl to grow up with. Both sad, but, like, very, very different. Um, so yeah, the second version was consistent with the lack of dust on Shelly's shoes, um, which she wasn't even wearing shoes when she was found, and um, seemed to be a confession to murder. But prosecutors like reportedly thought if if he was charged with the murder, Pilko might return to his original account, and jury trial could find him guilty of a lesser charge. So. The medical examiner determined that Shelly was still alive when she was hanged, which is really sad. Um, And Pilko pleaded guilty to first degree manslaughter and was sentenced to 25 years in prison without parole. And since he um, is an illegal immigrant, he's scheduled to actually be sent, uh, deported back to Ecuador upon his release from prison after 25 years. Um... Yeah, I don't know. That part, hearing that she was still alive when he hanged her is, like, so sad. Like, I don't know. I know that it's the same thing, I guess, as, like, strangling. But, like, I don't know. It's just so brutal to, like, think about her still being alive and then someone else hanging her. I mean, how cold do you have to be of a human? Right, just for some, just for some cash. He literally did it to rob her for cash. I, ugh. It's just so sick. At Pilko's sentencing on March 13th in 2008, Shelley's husband, along with family members, said that they would never forgive him. Um, Andy said of Pilko, you are nothing more than a cold-blooded killer and that he hoped he would rot in jail. In remembering Shelley, Ostroy said that Adrian was the kindest, warmest, most loving, generous person I knew. She was incredibly smart, funny, and talented a bright light with an infectious laugh and a huge smile that radiated inner and outer beauty. She was my best friend and the person with whom I was supposed to grow old. Oh, that just, doesn't that just kill your heart? Yes. Oh my gosh. 
Um, hopefully he can find comfort in keeping, you know, a little piece of her alive through his daughter. Oh, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Um, according to acquaintance, Pilko said after eight months, he still owed a debt on the $12,000 he had paid to be smuggled into the U.S. And he lived in the basement of a building owned by his employer and one of Shelley's neighbors told reporters that Pilko's stare had made the neighbor just feel, like, uncomfortable when she walked past him. So, like, he was basically, other people knew he was, like, a creepy dude. And Shelley's husband actually ended up suing the contractor, Bradford General Contractors, um, which had hired Pilko for the job. The complaint alleged that Shelley would still be alive if the contracting firm had not hired him. Osteroy also sought to hold the owners and management of the building liable for Shelley's murder. Um, according to a New York Post article, among other allegations, the complaint stated that Pilko was an undocumented immigrant, as were his co-workers, and that it was in Bradford General Contractors' interest to not have police and immigration officials called to the job site because that would have ground their work to a halt. Which I get, and I like I understand his point of view, but at the same time, it's not, the contractor didn't know he was going to murder someone. He wouldn't have hired them if he knew he was a murderer, like, and it wasn't, like, illegal for them to, they had all the paperwork and stuff for them to hire those guys, so, like, I don't know. I, yeah. underst I understand his point of view and his pain and frustration, but it's kind of hard to pin it on the building and the construction owner because they didn't know this guy was a murderer yeah he's got a lot of grief probably doesn't know where to put it yeah um but I, yeah i don't know how responsible they are for because i mean like if a truck driver for a company like you know if an amazon truck driver hits somebody they sue amazon Right. So I'm guessing maybe that's where the insurance is. Insurance kicks in. Yeah, that's true. That is true. I know. It's also I've just complicated, I feel like. Yeah. But uh, with that, on July 7th in 2011, the lawsuit was ultimately dismissed by um, Judge Lewis York. The court determined that Ostroy had not established legal grounds to hold the contractor liable writing, while this court sympathizes with Ostroy's loss, plaintiffs have not presented sufficient legal grounds upon which to hold Bradford liable for Pilko's vicious crime, and that there was likewise insufficient evidence presented to find that either the building's management agents or its owners had reason to believe that Pilko was a dangerous person who should not have been allowed to work at the premises. So he did end up losing that lawsuit, um, which, you know, I'm sad for him, too, that he put more time and money into those lawsuits. But um, the court just didn't, I guess, find enough evidence against the owners and contractors. So following his wife's death, Ostroy established the Adrian Shelley Foundation, uh, which is a nonprofit organization that awards scholarships, production grants, finishing funds, and living uh, stipends through its partnerships with academic and filmmaking institutions. 
uh, such as NYU, Columbia University, Women in Film, IFP, AFI, Sundance Institute, Tribeca Film Institute, and the Nantucket Film Festival. Um, so, yeah. Just always nice to hear when the family members of a victim who died kind of in, like, horrible, horrendous ways just turn it into a positive as much as they can um, and create different, like, foundations and fundraisers just to help others uh, to turn their life into, like, a legacy. So that's always kind of nice to hear. Uh, but, yeah, that was the sad death of Adrienne Shelley and... I just feel horrible for her daughter and her husband and everyone that, you know, loved her and knew her. Yeah, it's always the heartbreaking ones to me are the ones where the the son or the daughter, either one, when they lose their parents so little and they never get to know. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just me speaking because I'm a mother of a daughter and... Like, the idea of me not being around to, like, you know, her big wedding day and prom and first boyfriends and all the stuff that I'm going to have to go through here starting very soon. <laughs> um, but the idea of me not being around to do it with her, it's just crushing. Right. So, you know, I can't imagine, you know, and even at two, she's missing first days of school and a lot of big things yeah too so young and it's just sad because yeah she won't even remember her mom or like she'll barely remember much about her mom at all i am so happy that her daughter had a cameo in her last film waitress with her just because okay. i feel like that's like a nice thing for her daughter to have she can go back and watch it yeah it. like it's a nice like keepsake type thing like oh I experienced this one with my mom just before she died and it was recorded and everything so I thought that was super nice that she got to be put into the movie did you watch the movie waitress no I've heard of it um I know it's pretty big but I've I've never seen it have you seen it I didn't but now I'm curious to go back and watch it like mm -hmm. in her honor Right, I know. I definitely, I definitely want to see it. I know it, it, it won a bunch of awards and stuff too. So I know it was pretty good. Um, but yeah, she and she did a ton, like, just in the world of Hollywood. So just another sad, tragic story of. I don't know. Just a positive person. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, sorry to always uh ended on a bad note <laughs> that's what we do yeah <laughs> negative nancy's <laughs> they tune in just to hear us bring the world down just a little bit yeah go watch something fun now <laughs> or listen to something fun <laughs> or you could go and get your hair done yeah where should they get their hair done low they should get their hair done at honeydew's so if you are a Waterford or surrounding city close to, it's on Highland Road and it is in the Ulta Suites and you can ask for Jessica Zimmerman. She did my hair multiple times and I recently just got it um, dyed and cut and I'm in love with it. It's so cute. So cute. They do a fantastic job um, and... 
if you go there and you say that you heard it on Horror, Wine, and Crime podcast, let them know that KK and Lo sent you, you will get not percent, but $20 off your first appointment. What are you doing? Go call them, guys. Go call them. So, I mean, I know for me what my average bill is for a cut and die. So to knock $20 off, I'm like... I'm here for it. That's huge. That's like a great deal, honestly. So, yes, Honeydews in Waterford, um, 248-802-4587. Horror, Wine, and Crime is your code. Let them know we sent you. Yes. Get your hair nice done. <laughs> find them on Facebook as well. All right. Well, we will... Uh, Talk to you guys next week <laughs> with a brand new story. <laughs> Sorry, it's kind of short, sweet, and simple today. Yep. <laughs> but uh, all right. Well, on that note, uh, we got to go. Stay creepy. Oh, wait. Can't be creepy without saying hi to Dax Shepard. We're the creepy ones. Oh, yeah. We Stalking got, him. We forgot to stalk him this episode. <laughs> So, I caught it, though. I caught it. You did. You saved. You recovered. So, hi, best friend, Dex Shepard. Hi, Dex. Hi, Dex. Bye, Dex. So, I'm going to let you go so now we can listen to your show. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. All right. We got to go. Bye. Bye.